All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe of All, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. The site manager over at Denver Stiffs, where we're doing season in review content right now. Uh, going to have a meeting on Wednesday night about draft content, and you can expect some of that draft content over the course of these coming weeks as we get you prepared for the NBA draft. The Nuggets have the 21st overall pick. Uh, I feel pretty confident already in, in some of my takes about this class, having done some research kind of on and off throughout the, re- the, the season and when the season ended, of course, but should be very interesting to see what the Nuggets decide to do with that. But for now, let's get into the final uh, episode of Season in Review on the podcasting front. As you know, if you've been listening to the previous editions, I've been going by position group. I started with the guards and the wings last week, had some good conversations there, had some good discussion about where Denver is trying to get better. And then with the forwards on Monday, it seems like a pretty solid position group where Denver is probably not going to try to improve too terribly much there. That would be the one position group that I think mostly remains untouched. But now we're on to the bigs. Uh, after yesterday's podcast talking about Nikola Jokic, I don't, I don't plan on spending too much time on him, or at least not, not more time than any of the other guys because we've, we've said so much about Nikola, of course, this year. But I wanted to review his season really quickly, as well as reviewing the seasons of DeMarcus Cousins and Jermichael Green, both of the other two bigs on the roster. Uh, the only two players that I haven't reviewed are Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., Obviously, I talked about those guys in the two previous segments on the guards and the forwards, uh, but I don't feel the need to evaluate their seasons because there just wasn't enough time there. So let's get into this edition of season reviews. Let's start with Nikola Jokic, and I'm going to go through the same process that I've gone through in all of the other ones, asking the same five questions. What were his responsibilities were? What was his ideal role? Did he succeed this year? What was the trajectory going forward, and is he a fit in Denver's plans next year? Now, these questions are a little bit different for Nikola freaking Jokic than they might be for DeMarcus Cousins or Jermichael Green. That's just kind of how things work around here. But let's still go through the process. Nikola Jokic, what were his responsibilities? He was the offensive engine. He was the defensive anchor. He was the leading scorer. He was the leading playmaker. He was basically the leader in everything this year and quite literally led Denver in everything this year from a statistical standpoint. Was that his ideal role? It was that's, – that's a tough one to say because his ideal role is kind of what he makes of it. And because he is continuing to grow, because he's continuing to improve as a player, I don't want to put a cap on the ceiling of what he can contribute. However. What we've seen from NBA players over the course of these past few seasons is that it makes more sense in my mind for the superstar players to have a slightly lesser role in the regular season and then ramp it up in the playoffs as opposed to having to carry the teams throughout. We haven't had an MVP win a title, I don't think, since... uh, since Steph Curry back in 2014, 2015. It's been a long time. We've had Russell Westbrook win an MVP. We've had 
James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo and uh, then Nikola Jokic. And, and none of those guys won, M- won MVP and the title in the same year. And I don't think that's an accident, honestly. I, I think the, the award has become more geared towards who's doing the most with the least as opposed to who's the best player or who is on the best team. And that's a, probably a good evolution of the MVP award from year to year, but it also isn't necessarily as indicative of championship odds as it was in years past. So he was a little bit overtaxed, but Jokic is a top-tier superstar. It's the role that's given to him. It's the role that's required. Did he succeed within that role? Absolutely. There were some areas where he could be better. Like, let's not let's not get it twisted. Could he have been a little bit better defensively? Yes. Could he have been a little bit better as a shooter from the outside? Yes. Were those kind of menial uh, criticisms of him based off of what he actually did, what he had to endure, and then the kind of season that he put together? Also, yes. He was fantastic. And the actual job that he was asked to do this year, he did it about as well as anybody in NBA history could have been expected to do it. Nobody wins titles without their second or third best second and third best players. Very few players advance within the playoffs. We've seen that, and as I spoke about yesterday when talking about the MVP award, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, really prime examples, I think, of players that struggled in the playoffs without their star duo. So what is success and how is it defined? I think the MVP award is a pretty successful thing. And yeah, like, let's be honest, even if he hadn't won the MVP, it still would have been a successful year. Did he need to do some things a little bit better in the playoffs? Yeah, I think I think everybody could say that he was not as prepared as he probably should have been for games one and two. But then again, nobody was. So I'm not going to just hold his feet to the fire on that. And like, I, I would still give him an A plus or at least an A on the season based off of how well he did given his responsibility. Now, what is his trajectory? I spoke about this yesterday, but I also am going to continue to reiterate that I think he's got probably at least six more years left in all likelihood. And how many of years of those years are kind of in the prime of his career is up for debate. Is, is we, we just don't know what it's going to look like from a physical standpoint and how long he is going to be at this pinnacle. But I do think that, like, because here's the thing, very few players, when they have this level of workload, maintain this level of workload for extended periods of time. Like LeBron James didn't even have this much of a workload in some seasons. Like sometimes he ramped it up. Sometimes he had other guys to kind of help him out. Giannis Antetokounmpo, same thing. Sometimes he's going to be a little bit higher of usage. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit lower. I think when Jokic kind of crosses that 30-year-old trajectory is probably when we'll probably see some statistical decline. Do I think it's going to happen to a significant portion between now and then? Not really. So Denver should feel pretty good about these first few years of his Supermax contract. He's going to be great for a long time. It just Obviously, depends on how great that is, but that's a bet that you make 10 times out of 10. 
He's still got plenty of fantastic years left. Knock on wood. Like he should be perfectly reasonable. And I am looking forward to seeing what he does. Is he a fit for Denver's plans next year? He is the plans next year. He is the Nuggets. Uh, there's no other place I could imagine him going at this point. And maybe that changes at some point. But for now, he seems happy. The Nuggets are, of course, happy. They're going to do everything that they can to continue to put the best team around him. And that's a certain amount of pressure that the Nuggets welcome, that they they need in order to stay diligent for building the best title contender that they can. Now, before we hit a break, I did want to talk about, uh, in preparation for talking about Jermichael Green, DeMarcus Cousins, the Nuggets played with one or two forwards next to Nikola for the majority of the season. It was Aaron Gordon. It was Jeff Green. Uh, there was not a lot of like traditional forwards behind those guys. Like Sometimes it was Zeke Naji, but sometimes Jermichael Green was the guy who played next to Nikola. But that was as a, a too big lineup. I'm, I'm classifying Jermichael Green as a big now. I think we, we can move into that category. He's not a forward anymore. Uh, but most of the time, Denver played with one forward or two forwards. They, they'd have one forward and three guards, one forward, one wing and two guards. Uh, not a lot of wings. And that's where I hope Denver gets better in terms of roster balance next year. But I still think there is some utility to having a too big lineup that you can go to, a group that you feel comfortable in the playoffs. I don't think Jermichael Green is that guy, but let's just go over here real quick. Jokic and Jermichael Green, they played 215 minutes together this year. That was a plus 17 on the raw plus minus stage. That's about a a plus six net rating, uh, which is good. It's It's fine. Last year, it was plus 23 in 472 minutes. So it's good. It's a good lineup, but it's not great. It's not a dynamic group that Denver is really going to consistently. Uh, Paul Millsap would kind of fall into this category where he was a, a second big man that really fit well, and Denver had some great moments with those guys. Paul Millsap obviously aged out of that, and I'm a little bit worried that Jermichael Green is going into that same vein. And you can't really play DeMarcus Cousins and Nikola Jokic together. I know that a lot of people want to give it a try. I am here to tell you that it is not going to work, especially against good teams. Could you try it against bad teams? Yeah. Like the Detroit Pistons and then just figure out a way to have Cade take pull-up twos for the majority of the time? Sure. But it's still not a good look. So what are the best big man traits to pair with Nikola Jokic. What works? What is the the most important thing? I think athleticism and mobility are probably the things that if you're looking for a second big man to pair with them, that player has to be mobile. They have to be able to move their feet on the perimeter. They have to be able to cover a lot of ground because sometimes that might mean protecting the paint behind Nikola Jokic. Sometimes it might be guarding a player on the perimeter. Whoever it is has to be mobile. This player also has to provide some lob threat slash rim protection, or they have to be more of an outside shooter, somebody that can be perfectly comfortable spotting up and hitting 40% from three. 
Now that is a, like those two are kind of different from each other. Usually you don't have lob threats and rim protectors that also are great outside shooters. Those guys are generally superstars. Um, so you're probably picking one or the other. You're probably picking a collection of those skills as opposed to all of those skills. Like, like you pick and choose which of those traits you need. But I do think that you should get somebody that has more than one of those. That can be a mobile outside shooter or can be an athletic lob threat with rim protection. Somebody ideally that is a, a relatively high basketball IQ that can do some of the things you need to do next to Nikola Jokic in order to survive. So, those are the traits where you pair Nikola Jokic and you play next to him. Now, what are the big man traits that you play in place of Nikola Jokic? Because I think that those are different. Like, you can still be a successful player, but in place of Nikola Jokic, the true replacement a guy like DeMarcus Cousins or Mason Plumley, more of a post-up guy, somebody who's a playmaker, somebody who's a rebounder, an interior presence who can give you a facsimile of what Jokic gives. Or you can go with the guy who is a stylistic change, somebody who isn't as big, or or maybe they are big, but are more of so of a, a rim runner and somebody who's just dynamic in that way. You could go with the pick and pop big, somebody like a Jamichael Green. You could go with a Jeff Green, who's more of a switch everything kind of big on the defensive end, can do a lot of different things uh, from a switch defense standpoint. Or you could go with the true rim runner big, somebody who maybe isn't like Mason Plumley because Plumley wasn't a great rim runner, but more of a Rudy Gobert type, somebody who's going to put pressure on the rim because of how tall, big, and athletic they are. There are different ways to do it, and I am not married to any one pathway. I thought at one point that having the replacement style big in place of Nikola Jokic was the best thing. And to be honest, in the regular season, it probably is. Like That's probably why the Nuggets were so much better with Mason Plumlee kind of as a, as a regular replacement for Nikola Jokic than they were when it was a stylistic change kind of guy because Denver had to learn how to play a different way and they just didn't have the talent to get that done, especially with Murray and Porter out. That doesn't mean it can't work though. And I want to stress that point that I I don't think it's necessary for Denver to play a seven-footer every single game behind Nikola Jokic. It's not something that they have to do. They don't have to have a true backup center big style like that. But they need a solution. They tried one thing this past year. It didn't work because I I think it was more of a bad year for Faku, a bad year for Jamichael Green, and that's that's kind of why that happened. But I'm not going to give up on the idea that you can't do something like that if the talent is there. So let's see what happens when Jamal Murray and Michael Porter return, because I think I want to leave that opportunity open. I'm not going to close the door on it just yet. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to review the seasons for Jamichael Green and DeMarcus Cousins. We'll be right back.
right back at it. Pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars at the podcast, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. I was watching some basketball earlier today, and man, I saw a very interesting result in Miami where the Philadelphia 76ers got massacred at the hands of the Miami Heat. They're going to go back to Philly for game six, and my gosh, I am really looking forward to seeing that game. That should be very interesting to see who shows up to that one. I'm, uh, no, I am not clutching my pearls and not holding my popcorn ready to watch and enjoy the show and see the fallout of what happens if a certain big man is eliminated from the second round, just one round further than Nikola Jokic went. All right, let's get back into this thing. Let's let's get back on track here. I, I'm not as petty as I sound, I promise. Um, let's talk about Jermichael Green, who was the initial backup center for the Denver Nuggets this year. His responsibilities, like I said, initially he was the backup center. He was the guy to bridge the gap between minutes when Nikola Jokic would play and when he wouldn't play. And there were a lot of times where those minutes went really badly. And was it all Jermichael Green's fault? Absolutely not. I don't think you can put the bench struggles at the feet of any single person outside of maybe Faku, but it definitely stood out that Jermichael had one of the worst seasons of his career from a shooting standpoint, from an efficiency standpoint, from an effectiveness standpoint on uh, like he had some good defensive indicators or defensive stats, but the Nuggets defense when he was on the floor was really bad. So I'm not sure where to go with that and whether he was actually in a position to make a positive impact. I, I don't think he was. Fast forward into January and February and Denver, they played a little bit differently. They added DeMarcus Cousins and, and he was uh, Jermichael Green as a result. He was playing more of a pick and pop center option before. They moved back to more of a traditional backup power forward spot next to DeMarcus Cousins. I'm not sure he would have been in the rotation had Zeke Naji been healthy, but right when DeMarcus Cousins was signed and officially brought in to uh, just be the backup center, Zeke Naji in the first game after the All-Star break, he had come back, he was playing, he was looking pretty good in his first game back, and then he gets hurt, his knee gets hurt. And Jermichael Green is in the lineup for the rest of the year and into the playoffs. And was he good? Yeah, he had some moments. I think it was a better role than when he played the backup center spot. But what was his ideal role this year? What, like, who is he as a player? I'm not really sure I know what his ideal role is. He was obviously more successful and much better. Like, Denver played much better when he was the four and Cousins was the five. But I really don't know how much of that was because of Jamichael Green specifically moving from the five to the four versus Cousins just being a different style of player that Denver needed. Because let's face it, Denver needed somebody who could soak up more possessions, who could be a higher usage player and be relatively successful with that. Jamichael Green wasn't geared for that. Like he's, He wasn't the guy that was meant to be the fulcrum of any offense, and, and the Nuggets were trying to use him kind of replacing Nikola Jokic. That wasn't a good idea. Could he be better in a system where 
I don't know, Jamal Murray is the first option or Michael Porter is the first option or Bones Highland is taking more of the reps than he was before as he heads into his second season next year. I I don't know the answer to that, but I I tend to think that Jamichael Green will look better in a situation where there's more offensive talent around him and he's just kind of the, the fourth or fifth option. But it's it's hard for me to say that extensively. It's hard for me to say that he's best as the four or he's best as the five because I do think that he's not a good enough shooter to play the four extensively. He's also not athletic or big enough to play the five extensively. So what is his ideal role? It's probably honestly as the third big man off the bench or at least the first big outside of the rotation. Uh, like hypothetically, if you're a team that only has one big in your backup rotation, then he would be the second big then in the backup rotation. But I'm just not sure that like, like it's it's hard to tell based off of Denver. It, they were just so volatile and awful with the bench lineup that I'm not sure what was real and what was fake. Now, did he succeed? No, he, he completely failed as the backup center. Like he, Pretty clearly struggled there. The team struggled there. Nothing was really working out. And he was better as the backup four. Uh, In the 260 minutes that he played next to DeMarcus Cousins, he was plus 22. He also shot 36.8% from three with Cousins on the floor. He only shot 25% with Cousins off. 25% from three versus basically 37% when Cousins was on. Now, with Jokic, it was a little bit different. He was shot 25% when Jokic was on the court and 27% when Jokic was off. Now, does that make sense? I'm not really sure. Like, I think that's more shot variance than anything. And that gives me some, both some uh, excitement that that Jamichael Green still has some good shooting in him, that this was maybe just a bad shooting year. But it also seems pretty negative that he, at this stage of his career, should have been better as a shooter, should have been a better pick-and-pop guy, and he just wasn't. So what is his trajectory? What, is, what does that look like? He will turn 32 in June. He has played a very physical brand of basketball. He's, he grew up as kind of a traditional power forward type in this system. He, he played for the Memphis Grizzlies, of course, found his start there. Then he played for the Clippers and was best as the backup four, but also played some small ball five for them too. And then with Denver, his first season last year, he was actually pretty good as the backup five. Like Denver had some good lineups when they played Dozier at the three, Michael Porter at the four, and Jamichael Green at the five. Now, the Millsap Green lineup wasn't as good, but the Jamichael Green, JaVale McGee lineup was pretty good then. And the DeMarcus Cousins, Jamichael Green lineup was pretty good now. Now, it's not going to be great for everything, but he's a role player. He's not going to play every night, in my opinion. That's not the role that he should have. So I think that it's probably going to come down to whether his outside shot is gone or not, if he can survive without that, or if, if he can survive because the shot comes back. That'll sort of be a strong indicator for if he's going to continue to play going forward because Denver, they're going to need all of the variance, all of the positive shooting that they could get, and they could probably still get some decent defense 
even when he's off the floor. So is he a fit for Denver's plans next year? I'm not sure. He is a player option for a bit over $8 million next season. If he picks that up, he will be on the roster unless he's dealt. If he declines that option, he will likely find a new deal with another team, or maybe he restructures with Denver. and That's something that he does, where he gets more years going forward for less money. This last year, he got a pay raise. He was he shot 41% from three in the regular season or something like that. He played pretty well, gave Denver everything that they needed to get, and he earned that slight pay raise. He did not earn a pay raise this year. That seems pretty clear, which means that he's more likely to pick up that player option, I think, than not to. But I also think that Denver, they've got Zeke Naji in the background here, and I see him as a guy that will play a backup forward position next season, that he will be the main plan going forward, that they're going to try to develop him as a cheap option. Somebody who in his third and fourth season and potentially going forward doesn't make as much money as $8 million, $9 million, $10 million, whatever you want to call it. So Jeff Green could also be in the plans too. Like it wouldn't surprise me that Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, those guys come back and then Jeff Green moves to a bench role if he's still in the plan, but maybe he plays some five. Maybe he and Zeke Naji play together as the four and the five. We're just going to have to see. But I am doubtful that Jamichael is in Denver's plans to play major minutes next year. I can't imagine that that's really the, the likely plan. He seems like a good piece as a matching salary piece that could help Denver get to a larger contract amount. Potentially get somebody back in the trade deadline that makes sense as a, as a potential midseason addition. And that means Jermichael would be under contract and on the roster, but I'm not sure if it means that he's playing a ton. So we will see. We will see what they ultimately do with him. But for now, let's move to DeMarcus Cousins. Let's move and go through the same process. What were his responsibilities? When he got to Denver, it was not necessarily clear what he was going to do, but it became pretty clear that he was going to be the backup behind Nikola Jokic, that when Nikola sat, DeMarcus's job was to give him a breather and to captain and run the second unit as kind of a first or second option as a scorer. Was that his ideal role? I actually think it was. I actually think that that worked out reasonably well. And though he's not athletic enough and has probably suffered too many injuries to be a legit starter again, he does seem like a player that could play a higher usage role in 15 to 20 minutes off the bench. And yes, he can do that. He could definitely do that. He did that for Denver because did he succeed in that role? Yes, of course he did, or at least mostly. Denver's second unit really turned it around when he got back involved, when he was a player that uh, was, was given that responsibility on a consistent basis. There was also the fact that him and Bones Highland, they, they shared a pretty solid connection. Each guy really helped the other out, and they formed a pseudo-Murray and Jokic two-man game on most nights. Now, it wasn't as potent, and obviously there are some holes in that plan, but those guys had some good moments with Bones 
mostly being the ball handler just running around and rescreening and screening or screening. <laughs> Sorry, oh, my mind function here. Bones was a guy who would use the screens set by DeMarcus Cousins on a consistent basis, and Cousins would be setting a screen. He would pick and pop. He would sometimes roll and get into the post, the middle of the paint, grab offensive rebounds, post up, and he would do a little bit, a bit of everything. And that was very important for what this Nuggets team needed. Now, he was a heavy turnover guy, Cousins was, and still extremely mistake-prone. The highs were very high with him, the lows were very low. And he had some high-profile games where both of those things came to light. He really struggled in the Minnesota game that Denver needed to win in order to basically guarantee a playoff spot. He played like four and a half minutes and really lost his cool. But there were other games where he really succeeded, particularly against Philly. He might be the biggest reason why Nikola Jokic won the MVP award, because he stabilized the minutes behind Nikola Jokic, while also kind of defeating Joel Embiid in the minutes that they shared while playing against each other on Pi Day on 314. That was a really big deal, and Cousins proved himself in a number of ways. Now in the playoffs, Cousins also did his job. He wasn't asked to do that much, and but he was still the second most reliable scorer on the team. And the Warriors kind of let him do his thing because they knew that they had to really load up to guard Nikola Jokic. But there were times by the end of that series where Draymond Green was rotating onto DeMarcus Cousins, where Kevon Looney was playing a little bit more against him, where they were doubling him a little bit more, treating him like a a big that they couldn't let get free. And in that final game of the season, Cousins was massive. He showed up in a big way that Denver really, really desperately needed. Now, what is his trajectory? What is the what is the trajectory for DeMarcus Cousins at this stage of his career? It's unclear if he's really healthy. If this was just a flash in the pan for him to be able to be on the court for much of the season, and whether this is what to expect going forward, or whether you could see some more injuries here or there. He also will turn 32 years old this summer, and he has more comparative mileage than somebody like Jamichael Green. Cousins came into the year or came into the NBA a little bit earlier and also has had two major injuries. Probably more, honestly. It's also fair, like, is his, is his body going to hold up across a full regular season? You want to have other options. You don't want to necessarily just be tied to DeMarcus Cousins being the only option to survive minutes behind Nikola Jokic. So if Cousins is the guy that they want to go with, then maybe they also have to get a second solution. I'm not sure if that's something that they want to do. So, is DeMarcus Cousins a fit? For Denver's plans next year. He's unrestricted, he's unrestricted free agent after Denver signed him to a minimum contract this summer. And he does fit that mold of a Jokic style backup, somebody who can replace the minutes that he sits for, Jokic, and does a good thing within Denver's regular season. Is that going to be helpful in a playoff context? I don't know. It didn't really help Denver this year. Despite the fact that those minutes were good, Denver probably needed to dedicate some resources towards finding better solutions to play with Nikola Jokic 
as opposed to just instead of him. Still, though, the backup center spot, that is the one position where you could definitely say, yes, this guy is going to play instead of Nikola Jokic and not with Nikola Jokic. That is just a very fair and reasonable thing. So maybe he is the right call. Or maybe Denver has their eye on somebody else to fill a similar role. I'm not really sure. We're going to see what Denver's priorities are when the offseason hits and when July 1st rolls around. Because right around that time, maybe even like in the draft, like maybe we'll see Denver go a different direction. Try to add somebody a little bit bigger. Not sure. We're going to find out. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to go over where Denver's big man rotation must be better next season. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's wrap up the big man conversation. Let's wrap up the season in reviews by discussing where Denver needs to be better. What are the categories where Denver's bigs must improve next season if Denver wants to win a title? I think this is a, an interesting one, particularly because they have Nikola Jokic. Like, how is it really viable? for them to improve that much in some of these categories. He's he's about as good as he could possibly be. There, there are very few things that they can really do, and, and because most of the minutes are going to be played by him anyway. So I'm not asking for the world here. I don't, I don't think that this is something where Denver needs to be that much better at the big man spots because they're they're probably just going to have to figure out the guards, wings, and forwards. Like That's that's where they can sustain the most improvement going forward. Not like they can massively improve the big man rotation. But here's where I see it. The three things that Denver must improve or, or try to improve this year are the defensive coverage that their backup centers or that their centers give, the outside shooting that they offer, and the versatility. And so let's start with defensive coverage because I think that one is the most important one. One of the problems with Nikola Jokic and as kind of a defensive option is that he's mostly interior. He's mostly a guy who tries to defend with positioning, with not moving his feet that much. But there are only so many places that he can guard. And one of the things that you see about like defensive coverage, and I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna explain that a little bit better. What I really mean by this is how spaced around a Denver's a defender's position can that player consistently protect on the defensive end? How much range do they have in a in a quick burst setting? Like can they cover realistically the area that's around just their wingspan? Is it how far past that? Like some of the best defenders, they can go way past that. I'm thinking Rudy Gobert. He has a ton of spatial coverage. Draymond Green he covers a lot of ground. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Also on the perimeter, you got these guys: Mikhail Bridges, Herb Jones, Matisse Thybul. 
lots of guys like that, they can cover a lot of different, they can cover a lot of space and protect that area rather than just guarding a man. And having players like that can really help out everybody else. There's a lot of ripple effects from having players like that that can cover so much ground. Denver doesn't have a lot of those guys, and they could use an option like that that could cover more ground defensively. Jokic is not going to be that guy. I think that he can improve in some areas, but he just has athletic limitations, and that's fine. Like They're, they're going to need more defensive coverage from the starters around him, whether it's Murray, Porter, Gordon, whoever they bring in, and maybe it's Will, but maybe they bring in somebody new at the two. That can help provide some of what I'm talking about. But they are going to need some of that defensive coverage to come from their big man spots. And given that DeMarcus Cousins is a free agent, that Jermichael Green has a player option, there's a possibility that both of those guys are back, that one of those guys are back, or nobody's back. So if they are planning on replacing those guys, then I would try to find somebody who could cover more ground on the defensive end of the floor. Just somebody that can be a little bit more physically imposing, somebody that can be a little bit quicker and more mobile. That is what I would try to go with and try to find the biggest person that can do that. But then you're getting into the conversation on who is actually just like an elite defender as opposed to who's just going to play the 15 to 20 minutes behind or next to Nikola Jokic. The next thing is outside shooting. I think all of those guys weren't necessarily great from three this year. Nikola Jokic was like 33, 34% from three. DeMarcus Cousins, I think around the same, 32, 33. Jamichael Green was at 26% this year. Denver needs guys that are shooting 35% or above at backup center, at starting center. Like that's just where Nikola Jokic can improve himself. So you get players that consistently hit those shots. And it builds on it builds everything over the course of a season, and, and you get just that more of a reputation that if you're hitting those shots relatively consistently, you have to be guarded, and it clears out the paint for other players to work. The final thing is versatility, and Nikola Jokic has plenty of offensive versatility, not a ton of defensive versatility. So the offensive versatility, I'll say, is pretty much covered by Denver's big man rotation, but I do think that they need a player defensively that can play the game in different ways, whether that's as a drop defender or a switch defender or a just a hedge and recover, aggressive kind of defender, whether that guy can play some zone. They need guys that can go do different things really well, and if they could find that player, whoever it is, then more power to them. Can Denver's current group of Nikola Jokic, DeMarcus Cousins, and Jamichael Green get better at those things? The defensive coverage, the outside shooting, the versatility? Probably not. Probably not. You're probably looking to other places, other players, to try to find some of those improvement possibilities. Because these are all older guys. Jokic, obviously, he's in his prime. There, there is a possibility that he improves, but I, I just wouldn't count on it given his other responsibilities. But the other guys have tangible weaknesses, and I would be surprised if Denver was that much better 
from a defensive standpoint if they just bring back their group. I think you've got to add new bodies. You've got to add more athletic bodies, more mobile players. And whether that comes from uh, better shooting, and and that can come from in interior growth and internal growth is what I mean, that Jokic, Cousins, and Jermichael Green could all shoot better next year, but are they going to shoot that much more? Probably not. But the defensive versatility especially, it's always going to be a weakness with this group. Just can't see it really improving that much. So I've said this before, but in roster building, it's very possible that the Nuggets need to acquire a player who can play the four next to Nikola Jokic while also having the ability to play the five behind him. When Jokic sits, when he needs that time, there needs to be a player that can really step up there. Right now, they've been going with the traditional center route, where you just have a guy that comes in in place of Nikola Jokic and doesn't really play next to him. I think that if you're looking to invest in this roster, you probably have to find a guy who can play next to Nikola, because that guy's probably pretty talented and pretty versatile and pretty smart. Now, is like it's it's not really a substitute, but you're you're also just kind of needing somebody that can give an alternate look to what Denver's been giving recently. They've been pretty stale, the Nuggets have been, from a structural roster standpoint. I do think that they need some guys that can help them play some different styles, some different ways, so that they can approach the playoffs in such a way that they are less guardable, they are less schemable, depending on the players that they have there. So, I can only see one player on Denver's roster really being capable of this, and that's Zeke Naji. Zeke is 6'9", 240 or so, somebody who's pretty athletic, but not super athletic, not a super athlete or anything. But he has the shooting capability, he has the defensive uh, mobility in order to do a bunch of different things. And he kind of reminds me in a way of Grant Williams, somebody who probably isn't that smart, probably isn't that like high of IQ of a defender and playmaker and whatnot, because Grant Williams really showed that in college. But Zeke is capable of growing in a larger role. There's there's definitely a possibility there. But I mentioned Grant Williams for a reason, because I think there are different kinds of players that Denver could be looking for to fill this gap. Let me just give a couple examples here. Williams is one of them. Robert Williams, the Boston Celtics center who nearly won Defensive Player of the Year, he's also the kind of similar player where Nikola Jokic is the Al Horford in this scenario. Robert Williams is the big man, somebody who could cover up for him, but also play off ball and do some things as a rotational defender. That would be really good. Daniel Gafford is another guy that I'm thinking kind of along the same lines, maybe not as smart as what you need, but still very capable and athletic. John Collins is another kind of traditional big man, like a traditional power forward who slides over to center now. Maxi Kleba, uh, who plays with Dallas, he's a guy that I've compared to Zignaggi in the past. And then Chris Boucher, somebody for Toronto who more athletic. He even played some three this year for them because they were very stocked to the brim with athletes and big fours. Somebody that like just he he's a little bit more malleable. Somebody who could play a different kind of role if the Nuggets needed him to. So 
there are different guys that are gettable. Are those guys gettable? The guys that I just listed? Probably not. Like you're probably not getting Grant Williams now. You're probably not getting Robert Williams, John Collins, Maxi Kleba, Chris Boucher. Like Chris Boucher might be gettable. Maybe Daniel Gafford is gettable. But other than that, I just can't really see Denver adding a player of that talent and of that degree, which means that they're probably going to have to take a chance on somebody in the draft, somebody in free agency, maybe a younger player that hasn't really popped in a situation. I'm not sure who that guy would be. But there are guys that they could try. Like, definitely. I'm, I'm pretty clearly in the camp that like a Jalen Smith, somebody who they targeted at the trade deadline this year, could fill that role. And I do think that Denver has to be aggressive. They have to be taking chances here. Because there is the easy path. There is the, the just re-signing of DeMarcus Cousins, cutting your losses, not necessarily going for the kill when it comes to finding creative solutions, because you're just trying to get through the regular season with as many wins as possible, Cousins probably helps you in more a more traditional sense to do that than a more creative solution might. However, if you're game planning for the playoffs, if you're doing your best to find playoff solutions, I think the Nuggets have to be more creative here. They have to find some optionality and I just don't know if going the traditional route is the right path. It's the easiest path. It's the most straightforward path, but I'm not sure it's the right one. But we're just going to have to see on that front. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're going to do. It's all up in the air. There's so many free agents for Denver this year, and they're all on the back end of the rotation. And a lot of the guys that are still under contract, they might still move. So the roster could look pretty similar. It could look very different. And I think recent history says that it'll probably look pretty similar. But I'm not sure I buy that either. I think Denver's going to get aggressive here. We're just going to have to see which direction they go. We'll see what the big man situation looks like too. Because behind Nikola Jokic, Denver's going to have a lot of different options. Whether any of those options are actually good and actually helpful in a playoff sense, we're going to find out. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Nobody. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure to check out the season and review content that we are doing. I'm posting about Jamichael Green on Wednesday, and Brandon Ewing is going to be posting on Jamal Murray, despite the fact that he didn't play this year. Uh, Make sure to go read Brandon when his article comes out. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. I'll be back on Friday.